0: You're listening to... Whoa! hot luck,
1: And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, April the 14th, 2022. It is episode 100 of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, my name is Marvin Yue and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just you.
0: One hundred baby! Pew 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 <laughs>
1: And also professional culture editor Hong Wen.
2: I <laughs> I don't you don't get any pew pews from me.
1: I'm much more subdued. <laughs> 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 let's, let's, <laughs> come <laughs> on, <laughs> huh?
0: Give me you're just it's a hundred. Give me give me your best air horn. Give me your best air horn.
2: Oh, I don't know if I can do air horn.
0: <laughs> just, just try, just
2: try. <laughs> I can't do it on, on on demand, sorry. Man.
1: I feel You'll like we probably later, so should have planned something for this you know milestone of a of an episode but you know mm-hmm. in true good pop fashion we're just bringing it day by day that's week what by keeps week that's fresh
0: baby <laughs> that's what keeps it alive yeah
2: like never never is there a day that we actually all sign in on time it's always like oh i'm i'm running late let me do this let me do this it's
1: and we're so, all yeah. really busy people you yeah. know um i've been on deadline the entire week um hans always on deadline and jess <laughs> is busy supporting the um, very fabric of Asian-American entertainment industry. Yes,
0: that's very true. <laughs> no, no, this is way more important, guys.
1: <laughs> but on that note, we did pick a very, very, I guess... Special. Special. Yeah, special film to talk about on their 100th episode. Um, Everything Ever All at Once, which is a new Michelle Yeoh movie um, directed by the Daniels that has just taken up all the space in my brain, run free for ever since i Saw it last night. And I'm excited to talk about it with you both. Uh, But before we get to that, we must talk about the good pop that got us through our week. So let's start with Han. What's poppin'?
2: So I have a double shot of uh, HBO Max series. And I find them very similar. But when I first describe them, you'll be like, what? So the first one is called Minx. It is set in the early 70s. It is about a woman who, uh, well, a, a woman who wants to make a feminist magazine. But then because everyone says no to her, she ends up working with a guy who makes porn magazines. And so she makes the first feminist, uh, female nudie magazine featuring men. So you Ooh. might have heard of this, where the first episode, there is a parade of dicks. Um, dicks. Dicks, 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 dicks everywhere. And that's not even the only episode that you see a lot of dick. So it's just dicks everywhere. Yes, there's some frontal female nudity, like mainly breasts. And there is some like you know uh crotch but definitely you're kind of like <laughs> whatever I've seen that before um there's been quite a bit written about it it's it's very fun because uh it's not just the whole porny aspect of it that's fun but because first of all she's whoever does the costuming gives her amazing suits they're very much like the Mary Tyler Moore um three piece suits so it' has like the uh the vest and the um the jacket and the pants and it's tailored beautifully um but also it's fun because of how much you can just get angry at people for getting in her way and of course the way the show is you know it's it's actually a comedy so you know things are going to go well um it has uh it stars ophelia love who probably remember from the marvel universe but she's usually not that color she's pink and has like pigtails in the you know cinematic universe she like works with the whatever the, the guy's name is, the curator, <laughs> you know, the, the collector. The collect- um, oh, uh, of yeah. Jeff Goldblum, dude. Yeah. that. Well, that's not actually Jeff Goldblum.
1: No, it's um, Benicio, right? Yeah, Benicio Del oh, Toro.
0: Sorry, I'm getting my
2: They look similar.
0: And their characters are very similar. They are. They are. <laughs> anyway, so
2: she has her regular flesh tone uh, in this, and she's very good. She's playing American. She, I think she's actually not American. Um, and then uh, Jake Johnson, who was from New Girl, it plays the porn guy. Um, so he has a lot of open neck shirts, very hairy. Good, good job. Um, and it's just fun because every step of the way, people are awful, and of course they have to overcome it. Um, it's very sex positive, obviously but also just talks about all the things that are still hang-ups today even though it's set in the 70s. Uh I don't want to give too much away but it's actually ending by the um end of this week so by the time you hear this it will have ended so you can binge it. It's 10 Ooh, episodes. Oh
0: yeah.
2: Um and then the on the flip side is Julia which is about Julia Child. Oh my
3: god. The pornies And I say and
2: I <laughs> The porniest is the most erotic, okay? <laughs> yeah. Don't
0: don't do my girl dirty like that she but here's a freak we
2: yeah know. but here's the deal like i mean they are so similar like every single episode i'm just like these have the same beats because she was a pioneer when it came to uh the cook- she she made the cooking show basically like none of the stuff existed before that and of course every step of the way men 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 including even her husband like i know you watched that movie and thought like St- stanley Tucci was the ultimate wife guy and you know this one who is played by david hyde pierce is still very much wife guy but he's still a guy in the 60s or late 60s early 70s and so um there are some hangups that he has and he has to overcome them but it's just fascinating because what you got from minx is you see a little bit of behind the scenes of what it takes to put a magazine together obviously not the full thing but there's you know like certain procedural elements there same here where you see how much goes into making a TV show and especially a TV show that's never been made before. Like they figured out how to do that overhead shot where you can look down into the bowl where she's mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some fun clothing there too. Obviously it's a period piece. Uh, they they highlight the PBS station that actually made her a star. Um, how people don't think that women cooks are chefs and think it should be left to the men when it comes to professional cooking because women can just stay in the kitchen at the home. Uh, there's so much good about it. It's it's a comedy also, but it's also a little bit heartbreaking in moments because, you know, she she had to do something that like nobody else did. She was 49 when this happened. So she's had a late start in this career um, and I found it incredibly inspiring. So both of them, I feel, are of a piece. If you like one, you'll probably like the other, although there are less dicks in this one. Uh, are you sure it sounds like there's a ton of of um, right yes uh there are there are a lot of dicks of the non full frontal variety (laughs) um i think there might even be a richard i have to think about that but uh yeah but you know she was also a delightful personality um and you she gets a little a lot of double entendres in her show and on the show (laughs) um so i i highly recommend both they're beautifully made both of them um I believe Julia is eight episodes only, um, but it's only going week to week. So you have more time to catch up with that one. Anyway, highly right. recommend both.
1: Yeah. All right, Jess, what's popping with you?
0: Um, so as I was saying, I was like, have I had a hard time figuring out, like, I didn't watch anything this weekend. Why? Like, what was I doing? And I forgot. It's because I went to the BTS concert this Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, that's, the that's my pop culture thing. <laughs> Uh, yes permission to dance in las vegas day one i you know i almost don't want to say this on the record because i feel like it's so rude but yeah i keep falling into bts tickets <laughs> and i know they're like very hot commodities to a lot of people but i haven't had to work that hard i don't know <laughs> this is like karma because like you know like i had to work really hard for other things and like never got this good you know that i never got this lucky like for big bang or like actually big bang was I did get floor, but I had to line up. Um, Yeah, so it was just like a lot less work than I usually have to do, which I'm grateful for. Don't get me wrong. And it was a good time. And I do think we converted some folks to ARMY. Ooh. How? Well, I went with my team, my work team, and some of them were just like knew about them but maybe like didn't understand. So like we kind of like introduce them there's really great footage of me explaining to my boss what a bias <laughs> is and what a bias breaker is she's like "Uh oh okay i was like because <laughs> I, I also don't think they have participated in like stand culture or like k-pop stand culture either before like mm-hmm. for me it's just it's dusting off like an old hat you know mm. like I, it's a different band but like i, I get it i could still bring that out for myself Uh, So it was really fun. This is actually my second time seeing this specific tour. I feel like the boys are, you know, they got a little break during the holidays this past December. And they look real good. They look real good. Uh, (laughs) They seem a lot happier. Good. The outfits were different. Um they look really good. One in particular looked so much like G-Dragon when he came out. I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" Like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" I'm like, "You really look like G-Dragon." Um So it was a really fun time and this was so much less stressful than the LA concert. Like getting to SoFi for the LA concert was so stressful. I don't think I actually cuz it was a work day too. So I actually like don't I don't think my body was like able to like decompress in time <laughs> to like fully enjoy the concert in LA. So this uh-huh. is like just chill, fun, good times. They played different songs. Um it was it was a good time. And and I just I was able to appreciate a lot more things this time because I wasn't so freaking stressed out.
2: Yeah. Being exhausted. And then also you went to a new city, so it's like you gotta go to a hotel. It definitely felt like you got to have fun on it. it was a vacation. Yeah. Versus, and, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, and then, and then after that, I was like, I, I found myself all of a sudden being like explaining more and more BTS to other people than I had before. I was like, Oh my God, no. Like just you pull back. Like you can't get into this again. This sucked out. Like the last time you were a K-pop fan, it took away like eight years of your life. It took away so much money, like, like, pull yourself back, pull yourself back. Oh I was God. like, you can't do this again. It's like going back into war, like, you can't do this again, man.
1: But, and, you know, now uh, the whole world is with you. Which, yeah.
0: on one hand, is really awesome. Happy for the girlies who don't have to, you know, find random physical media at shady malls in Koreatown. <laughs> but, and like, oh my God, so many bootleg posters. Because, you know, like this the store would just like print random pictures of these celebrities online at like a FedEx and like sell them for like 30 bucks a pop and I'd buy them. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and again, I, f- I sound so old whenever I say this, like, but back in my, back in my mm-hmm. day, back in my day, uh, when I was first trying to find Big Bang content... I would only get porn or the Big Bang Theory when I Googled Big Bang. Yep. Oh, and that's so hard. So mm-hmm. hard. So I'm happy for them. But it's also like now it's just too accessible. Like, what's the hunt? where's the hunt? Yeah. Where's, where's the
1: fun? <laughs> These kids don't where's understand.
0: The... Kids yeah. don't understand. Like, gotta work for it.
2: But it's true. Like, my friends who were into K-pop, like, they were during the H.O.T. Shinwa days. Oh, and yeah. That's
0: like OG. Yeah.
2: We went to the Koreatown mall because they were like, where would we get this? And I was like, here, follow me. And so uh, we made it like a little uh, excursion of it, and I was like, "Here's the, one of one source, you know." Um, and so they they have stuck with it, so they're very much fans of BTS. Uh, but I I was just their introduction,
0: like, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you gave them the first hit. You gave them the first <laughs> yeah, high, basically. Wow, Damn. that's you. <laughs> you owe them some form of like... Retribution <laughs> For all the time and money But it was really really fun Had a good time And then I finally also had time This weekend To sit down And listen to The new Big Bang song Which was beautiful I love it Uh They're back With only four Thank yeah. God Cause fuck Sungry And it was just so It was so This <laughs> This band Really just said You're fucking old now Youth is gone is gonna keep getting worse, <laughs> in, mm-hmm. but to a great beat. It's like a slower song, it's a lot different than their usual kind of first singles. And I really like that. I like how they're growing and you know, doing a new sound. TOP looks really good. G Jargon has a rainbow mullet, he is two years ahead of the game, as always. That's gonna be like the hot shit in two years, I <laughs> swear to god. And Day song looks really good. They like. He looks really good, like the long. He has like the long permed hair and like the big oversized suits. I'm like, that's a look. I want that whole outfit and everything. It's, it's. They're back. They're back. I cried a little bit.
2: Yeah, my whole feed was full of Big Bang. Um, I also have to say, in general, what I enjoy, even though I don't follow any of them in particular, I just always enjoy the fashions and all the wrists and all the accessorizing. It just it, there's it's fearless and it's fun. So I pro that whoever so, whoever yeah, it is so
0: fun, so fun and i'm just like okay it's good to have you guys back guys a tear single tear even if you're just calling me
2: old all right marvin how about you what's popping
1: um so like i mentioned i've been on deadline all week so i haven't had time to really watch anything but i did um <laughs> manage to so i caught a wall street journal article about how they redid some of the, um, the audio description track of Bridgerton to make it sound more like a romance novel. And mm-hmm. so I went back and watched some scenes with it. And man, as a fan of like audio storytelling and fictional podcasts, mm-hmm. they did a really, really good job. And I don't know, have, you, have any of you tried watching Bridgerton with the, with the audio descriptions yet?
2: No, but I'm down for it because I've heard so many good things about Well Done audio descriptions like if you can find a movie that has audio descriptions um especially an action movie they're kind of amazing i hear they're that they're better than sometimes than the actual books because of course they're briskly paced so i am down to try this
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah let me actually play a clip for you and let me know what you think she looks toward the clearing ahead
3: there's something there she aims her rifle Well, it will signify little if you mean to hold your gun in that way.
2: I know how to hold a
3: gun. Evidently not a British one. You have to... He moves closer.
2: I require no instruction.
3: Just hold it. He yanks up her back elbow. Like this. He wraps his arms around her. His large, pale hands enfold hers, touching skin to skin.
0: Oh, my God. As he turns
3: his head. His chin brushes the collar of her jacket. Her dark lashes flutter. His mouth draws close to her delicate ear. Her Cupid's bow lips part. (laughs)
0: There the two of you are.
3: They rejoin the party.
0: Well,
2: you better rejoin us. (laughs) Well, I want to hear the description of when...
1: He when they do it? He sees her
2: thigh. No, wh- well, there's that. <laughs> but when he sees her thigh. <laughs>
0: like,
1: I did pull up that scene and it's not as. It's hot not as good. As, okay. Yeah. As but this was actually
0: very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do a stupid thing, which is on my plane ride. I'm going to listen to this. And, no. Which is yeah. the worst place, <laughs> yeah. by the way, to uh, Get read hot. romance content. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I mean. It's I I was just thinking about it. I was like, what am I going to do while I listen to this? Because I've already seen it. I was like, oh, I can do chores. <laughs> so probably the safer <laughs> yeah. uh, w- place to get hot. <laughs>
1: Apparently, they also redid the entire audio, des- audio description of the first season as well. So that's very smart. Plenty of so, content to go back to.
2: <laughs> the, I mean, so for those. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so audio descriptions typically are for uh, people who have visual impairment. And I think kind of like what we've uh, what we've realized with closed captioning is that people who don't just have um, hearing impairment like closed captions. So I think they're also, you know, besides making these audio descriptions better, that it helps with all accessibility. Like it means that people like us can also experience Bridgerton a second time. (laughs) So I'm all pro accessibility for everyone it's kind of like the uh, uh alt text on social media posts I, I like looking at those too
1: yeah it's amazing it's um I've, I've went back to like the dance scene and other scenes and just yeah it definitely adds a layer and especially for you two who love romance novels as a genre I think the first thing that came to mind for me was I need to tell Han and Jess about this
2: what I love is they get a Brit to do it So I think that's nice. I also, here's the second thing, which I haven't checked it out yet, so this might be my What's Poppin' next week, we'll see, is um, Jonathan Bailey, who plays Anthony, uh, is my new uh, sleep story narrator for Calm. (laughs) And so I'm, I, I I saw it yesterday. I'm like, I think I'm a little too tired. I want to make sure I don't fall asleep to it. I just want to hear
1: him. Are you sure but, it's going to make you fall asleep?
2: Yeah, I'm like, isn't that just going? Yeah, I'm
0: bothered. <laughs>
2: maybe I have a lot of dreams. Maybe, but it's so funny because like none of these sleep stories are actually hot. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> like, I, I feel like we need a, a a calm sleep stories after dark, you know, version. But um, th- yeah, I think it's supposed to make you sleepy. So it like I heard the the Duke his sleep story and i definitely felt i fallen asleep twice to it because i'm like this is not that interesting <laughs> so uh i was like what's this kid doing in here i don't need this um <laughs> but uh yeah so i will i'm very excited that they have continued the bridgerton tradition of having uh, a hot person you know, do some narration
1: lowly to sleep with this
2: yeah yeah so i'm excited Sexy for that voice.
1: All right. Well, definitely check it out. If you finish season two of British Trinity, another reason to go back to it. Um, here it is. Um, but before we get to our discussion of everything, everywhere, all at once, we must once again revisit Top Chef in our podcast within the podcast, Go Asian, where we recap the latest season of Top Chef. Um, and man, okay, so last week I thought that we had lost an Asian, but we didn't. But it's only because I saw the future a future universe where we lost one of our Asians, which was this past week. Uh, We're down to three. Uh, We lost Monique finally. Um, She just made one too many mistakes, had a lot of potential, but ultimately um you can't cut an oyster
2: i mean it seems to me that she's been making sort of like rookie mistakes and it does seem like there's youth involved with some of her mistakes like when last week i think it was or one of those weeks where they're like this is like what you make in cooking school i'm like yikes that's a burn <laughs> yeah. right yeah and so like for her it's like yeah you cooked it and then you cut it and then so you let all the juices out of the oyster i was like yeah you should have just left to be bigger you know um that's less of a, a problem yeah. than it being too small and dry. And it so, seemed
1: like she did something that was irreversible and then just yeah. decided, you know what, I'm just going to go with it and pretend I had planned it all along, which is the ultimate way to get kicked off of Top Chef.
0: Yeah,
2: so that that was unfortunate. But I do have to say, like, I was kind of expecting it this week once I saw, like, what she presented and how all the other problems it was either between her and well someone who had immunity. So
1: yeah, <laughs> um, Noma was also in the bottom.
2: Yeah, i I thought he should have definitely gone home, but I think um, it wasn't probably as bad as hers. That's what I was saying. It's like <laughs> I feel like so the interesting thing was, you know, Ashley, who was also with Monique on the bottom last week, went home, but then she came back. From Last Chance Kitchen and won the quickfire, which let's talk about that quickfire. Yeah, um, <laughs> sweet and savory,
1: which I I enjoy sweet and salty snacks. I know it's not everyone's bag. Mm-hmm. Um, she paired up with, I think, Nick, right? Yes. And they, yeah. it, at first, seemed like they got like the curveball because they paired like what's um, ginger snacks with pork rinds, but they were able to pull it off. But they um, really, really.
2: It was a cake. Um, so basically, they're. Were- the task was to make a sweet and salty dessert using these two ingredients that you didn't think you had to put together. Yeah. And so they made a ginger snap cake. Um, yeah. and I believe she made the pork rinds. She, uh, she, put, she dipped them in something to make them slightly sweet. But I, for me, it made sense, because um, pork and ginger, first of all, we know that works. <laughs> but we, you know, for anyone who's done something like put uh, chili crisp on their ice cream, you know it can work. So I felt like it was just a matter of having the right balance and um, thinking about it. And so they did. Uh, I want to try it. And the weird thing is, Talenti is going to have to make a dessert inspired by their win. Um, (laughs) So I just hope they really do use pork rinds or some sort of
0: pork in there. Um, I mean, you guys have had, have you guys had the everything bagel ice cream? Speaking of everything bagels.
2: People have told me about it. I really want to. I love savory ice creams and gelato. So, it's quite
0: good yeah. and it makes no sense because you're literally eating a sweet ice cream that's like cream cheese. You know, it's like cheesecake yeah. flavored. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little slice of dried onion and you're like, hmm. But it's good. <laughs> I'm totally down.
2: Like, uh, One of my favorite things is just like, what? Olive oil gelato? It's so Oh, my good. God.
0: Or olive oil ice cream? Yes. Oh. So good. Yeah. Like, all of my favorite
2: desserts have a salty slash like umami element in it um so if you ever give me anything and like and i add salt to a dessert that's probably why um i'm down for this hopefully they do something like that i don't know what it would be
1: (laughs) yeah and then for the elimination challenge they had to make a dish um based on a famous houstonian a famous female houstonian um and the yeah. winner once again was Evelyn, hometown yeah. girl pulling through once again.
2: I'm I'm glad for her partly because I feel like she had a rough start, but she's been pulling it, um, pulling it out, and actually doing justice to all the things that she says she loves, um, the Queen's Zine she loves, but also this one she had pulled the name Selena, and so she of course wanted to do justice for someone that she felt like really balanced that whole uh, dual heritage. Um And of course, Selena has such a sort of a sad story, but um yeah, so what what I think was interesting is, of course, you know uh as a as a texan also uh Joe was talking getting like talking all about it and getting like kind of reclaimed. and I was like, oh no, is she gonna go home because you know when they put make those packages, the more they're featured, the more you're like afraid yeah the, the winner <laughs> cut or the loser cut right right, right, and so fortunately. She didn't go home, um, but it, it just sort of made me think like, you know, we talked about this, how this being placed in Texas is no mistake. Top Chef is making a point. And, um, and, it, and so Joe voiced a lot of the things that we've been thinking about, like uh, all the policies that, been ha- that have been happening in Texas and especially for queer people and for women and things like that. And so I'm just like, it's so sad to have this beautiful episode and then knowing what's going on in the world, like still like yeah. how long ago was this made, and it's worse now. So, I I don't know if it'll make any difference, but I really hope like I don't know someone writes something really amazing about the season to point that out. But like I don't have the time. So
1: yeah. Um, all right, we can't no you talk can't. about Top Chef <laughs> without mentioning the Jackson. continued ascendance of COVID Man Jackson. COVID
0: Man, <laughs> <laughs> worst superhero name ever. But he just
2: continues to do amazing things. And I really have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed his concept for the dish.
1: Um, Well, he got, um, who who did he get? He got, he was assigned Barbara Gordon, who was the first African-American elected to Texas Senate after Reconstruction. And so his concept for her was that she was very gutsy. And to illustrate that, he created a dish using offal, which, you know, is just fancy French for guts. guts. You know? mm, it's the organ it's
2: organ meat yeah. yeah so good i was so happy when he said that he's like almost kind it. it was almost like a shrug so it's like so let me use some awful. <laughs> he's uh, the... such
1: a goober and i love it so much but
2: he, but it he backs it up because i gotta agree with uh christine ha who came back as a judge basically like you have to know how to cook awful correctly because it could either, if you're doing liver, it could come off to livery. If it was the heart, then it could come off to chalky. And so he has to know how to treat each organ correctly and then make it delicious and not overcook it. Um yeah. So apparently a lot of the people judging did not even realize that they were eating heart and whatever the other thing that was <laughs> that he gave them.
1: Um, I also love that. So he was paired up with Monique, who ultimately went home. But um, after the challenge, Monique um, asked Jackson to taste her dish for her. And he went, I think you should ask someone else.
2: <laughs> Do they still not know?
1: I don't know I if they know. They
2: don't. I don't. I felt like he did count on someone to... Eat? no it was someone who's allergic to shrimp that she got them to eat yes yes she... so what the fuck
1: he's still yeah it's I, I, like i don't know uh, maybe we, maybe we won't know until the reunion episode but
2: i hope I oh think my god it's still a secret wow amazing okay <laughs> that's funny but yeah <laughs> um really wild
1: three out of five asians still in the running covid man jackson call still in the running um go asian will continue next week Um, so that'll do it for this edition of What's Poppin' when we come back we're talking about everything everywhere all at once dun 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 I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras, you know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. For our 100th episode, we are talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. The latest um, science fiction comedy action film written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, um, collectively known as The Daniels, starring Michelle Yeoh as a middle-aged Chinese-American woman named Evelyn Wong, who runs a struggling laundromat with her husband that's being audited uh, and on her way to the IRS becomes embroiled in a battle between parallel universes to save the very existence of everything. The um, the film also stars Stephanie Hsu, um the un- incomparable James Hong, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, and also the triumphant return of Keehui Kuang, who returns to acting for the first time in, what, 30 years?
2: I think it's been about that long, yeah.
1: Yeah. <coughs> um, so, yeah. If that sounds like a lot, it's because it is. Um, so... What did we think of everything ever all at once?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, so I went into it really not knowing much about it. Um, I had friends who had w- done some early, watched some early screenings, and they also it was great. I just didn't really have time to process it. So Han and I actually watched it together in IMAX, <laughs> which I do not regret at all. That was like one of the best decisions we've ever made, and it was so. I don't even have words for it. Loved it. Loved it, Mm -hmm. obviously. And just was so unlike anything I had ever experienced before in a movie that I proceeded to call every single person Mm -hmm. I knew that had already watched the film on my drive home from Burbank and just scream at them and going "Ah!" Mm -hmm. (laughs) and asking them where they ugly cried. Yeah, I kind of
2: have to agree. I've, basically been really annoying at work because almost every conversation i end with so um everyone watched this movie <laughs> and or or it was like last week and then this weekend it like so as i said last week this movie is out <laughs> and you need to watch it so one of my coworkers finally watched it i was like thank you for listening to me and he was like yeah it's great and i was like i will welcome any commentaries you want to write about it um but uh yeah i i don't I've I've told everyone I possibly can so now I'm glad to have this platform to tell more people to watch it. Uh and I and while we will talk about it, a lot of it, you know, in depth, I also encourage you if you want to watch it first and then come back to this podcast cuz I really did love going into it barely knowing anything about it and I do mean that by you watch the trailer you do have no clue the depth of uh entertainment you are going to get after just watching that trailer. So uh I Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we, I mean, we can start boiling it down soon. But yeah, uh, I know, Marvin, you also had a similar experience about being surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I came in also only seeing that first teaser trailer, not knowing anything about the central themes of the film. Um, and I guess, yeah, we should just mark it right here that um, we'll probably talk about spoilers at some point in this conversation but you should go watch this film just totally cold or as cold as you can be. Like don't like if you, if you're even thinking about watching this film, come back to this podcast later because you will not regret it. Um, And I want to go to the parallel universe where I have not seen this film yet, just so I can watch it again for the first time, because it is just that amazing. It's like, it's the type of um, cinematic experience that like will be formative for like the next generation of filmmakers, right? It's like, Watch The Matrix 1999.
0: I hope so. And, you know, this is... I've watched The Matrix, like, once, and it was just so, like, dour. <laughs> it was, like, so depressing, right? Because The Matrix is ultimately pretty depressing concept. Mm-hmm. And this is almost the 180, where this is, like... It takes you to, like, some of the most nihilistic, like, places, but ultimately is a hopeful, joyful experience.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think the point about The Matrix was the filmmaking and the storytelling was really different for its time. Yes. Um, and this one, I do have to say that uh, I agree that it one of the things that's amazing about it, which once you see the movie, you'll see how much more amazing is they didn't have a regular visual effects crew. So because the Daniels have a background in music videos, they actually hired seven music video guys to do it and they figured it out and when you watch it you're going to be like how in the world did they not do this with um a professional cinematic crew um so it's so the on one aspect it's the filmmaking itself like the technical things but then it's the actual storytelling and amazing like creative vision then it's the acting um, and then it's the actual emotion that you get. Like, it's so there's it hits on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin, when you say you want to watch it again, I think that's why we're also trying to get everyone to watch it, because I don't know how many times I've said to someone who likes something. I'm like, OK, if you're going to watch this TV show uh, live, tweet me or slack me or whatever it is so I can experience again through you. So <laughs> whatever way I can like uh <laughs> Maybe experience it through someone else. Yeah, I want that to happen. So uh, I'm I'm going to see if I can go to the theater again with friends who haven't seen it, so I can maybe sit by them and feel that like draft off of them their excitement. Yeah,
1: and so yeah. this is my first experience with the Daniels. I did not watch Swiss Army Man, although that's <laughs> not true. I did watch the hell out of their music video for "Turn Down for What," yes, which you can see the through line of that music video to this film. Because it's just so it's this film is just pure kinetic energy the entire way through.
0: They're great. They're great guys. I love them. Oh yeah, no, I've I've worked with them before and they're so sweet. They're so funny. Uh Very chill mm-hmm. and but like like good energy. And I'm just so happy that like I hope that this is what a lot of more indie films will be like going forward. <laughs> I'm so tired of the slow emo like slice of life I, I can't do it anymore guys I need mean, I want maximalist insane concepts
1: I did love there's this great exchange uh, between um, Daniel Kwan of the Daniels and Kogonada on Twitter just mm-hmm. like singing each other's praises and it's just Aww. so
0: wholesome sweet
1: and yeah. hilarious that you have these two filmmakers who are just the polar opposites mm-hmm. in style but appreciating each other for what they th- do
2: yeah, I think when it comes to, like, filmmakers who are very artistic and creative, they do appreciate, like, whatever style it is, it doesn't have to be the one that they strictly follow, but they appreciate it. And it's all part of their visual, like, learning, right? And
1: and make no mistake, everything ever all at once is just as artistic as a Kogunata film yeah. um, because it is just... What they do in this film, and even with the maximalist, like, kinetic energy, to have such nuance in the story that they tell is just, no one (laughs) has an excuse to make a bad film (laughs) anymore, right?
2: I mean, I also don't think anyone can make this film. So, I, you know, even if you give me about 60%, then I'm like, okay, it'd be 60% as good as this? I'm like, that's a lot still. Because this is hits on so many levels and is so well done that I was like "I, I nothing's going to be as good as this for a
0: while.
3: <laughs> so. yeah, it's also,
0: I mean, they do every kind of movie that, you know, good, the fun of this is like in the multiverse we're getting different movie genres, right? And they mm-hmm. like do all of them very well. We get the Wong Kar Rai like you know, Hong Kong cinema thing that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. We get the total we get I won't, won't Yeah, talk we'll talk about, about that spoilers.
2: soon. Yeah. You know, we
0: get some absurdist stuff. We get some... Animated? Uh, animated. We get uh, the Hong Kong film. We get the family drama at the core. And really, that's still the core of the movie. It's it's the family drama.
1: Yeah, yeah. We get some wuxia. Um, and I guess, yeah, yeah. We, we should probably just say, from this point forward, because I don't think we can continue to talk about this film without <laughs> just talking about the themes and... Maybe get a little spoilery. So if you haven't watched the film yet, again, what are you doing here? Go watch the film and come go back. Because you definitely want this, to go into this film as cold as possible.
0: This mm-hmm. film gets the highest honor in cinema, which is the Just You, it deserves to be more than 90 minutes medal. <gasps> yes.
2: Yes. yes uh, I bestow
0: yeah. this award upon it. He got who? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I guess... To begin our spoiler discussion on the themes, I did not know going in that this was going to be a continuation of Mama Trauma March.
0: <laughs> That's on you, boo. Yeah. So at the center is a pretty fractured immigrant family consisting of Michelle Yeoh's character, overwork, stress, um, regretting some life decisions. And Frumpy. Herself.
1: This is like she was playing frumpy a very... Michelle- yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, she still looks great because she's yeah. Michelle Yeoh, and like my grandma don't look doesn't mm-hmm. look like that. Uh, my mom does. Kind, of, my mom looks pretty good. though, I'm not gonna lie. My mom actually dresses better than uh, Evelyn does in this movie, and they're like around the same age. But um, and you know, very sweet but simple husband Waymond. One of the best names mm-hmm. in cinema. Waymond. Waymond, very Hong Kong.
1: Definitely a name that he gave himself.
0: Oh 100% chose that you 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 take a common western name and you add a little spice to it. <laughs> and and their daughter and it's uh their daughter Joy. Joy who is gay and kind of uh, dropped out of the college, kind of just like a hot mess uh and yeah, at the it's really about them trying to figure out how to be a family and appreciate each other for accept everyone and understand that. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. sorry. I'm just like it's so beautiful. And but done in such a interesting way. Cause I think a lot of movies that deal with this intergenerational trauma focus on the immigrant child, right? Or the the child mm-hmm. that is the children of immigrants and kind of that Bicultural experience yeah, and not feeling like they belong. This is like the mom's point of view. This yeah, is the parent's point
1: it's of view. So, it's so interesting that usually, yeah, you focus on the child's point of view and then the child eventually comes to terms with seeing things through her parents' eyes. Whereas, right away, you kind of see Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, is just being pulled in so many different directions. She's being audited. Her <laughs> shitty dad is coming to visit. Her husband is... Like just
0: like being gets to be the nice one and interacting with all the customers, but like not doing what he needs to do to help run everything.
1: Yeah. And, you know, her daughter obviously needs her to be a more attentive mom, but he she just can't handle it right now because she's being pulled in a thousand different directions. And that is pretty much the immigrant parent experience. Right.
2: Yeah. I, I think the specificity like we always are so happy when we see specific things. That's why it started out with. Oh, my God, there's a food we like, you know, but I think here it is the costuming. (laughs) It is the uh, the way their house is overcrowded with
0: shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. And like all the shit is authentic. It is. In that first shot, I see the, you know, the cough syrup that my family Mm -hmm. uses. Um, There's like all it's like a mix of like personal and business items right yeah
2: they have this uh. conversation at the beginning between Wayman and evelyn where they're of course switching between all the languages they speak that is the most
1: authentic mm-hmm. like way immigrants mm-hmm. immigrant talk speak that i've ever seen because also it's authentic to them being from hong kong because growing up hong kong people of their age they were also british citizens so they grew up speaking catherine's in the house english in their schools and Mandarin for the tourists. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they would like create some sort of hybrid language to talk to each other in that way. And
2: and the nature of their language of what the conversation is also very, I felt authentic, where it's like, you know, they're arguing about something, but it's like also like stir the noodles or whatever it is. And it's like switching back and forth. Through, um, and he's not getting to talk about the thing he wants to. And it's just I, I feel like the rhythms of the language were very well done. I think they just captured so many things just correctly. And that's just the yeah. first scene.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Even the noodles I eat. We have mm-hmm. those noodles in my house all the time. I hate those noodles. Um, they do get mushy really fast. So mm-hmm. I get it, Grandpa. <laughs> Um but yeah. It's it's those first 15 minutes even before we get to the fantastic elements. I think I turned to Yuhan and I was like, I'm yes. so stressed out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could feel it. it, it and that's just like they they're able to build this sort of like tension already and nothing's happened really. So um it's it's just basically go go to the bathroom first you know don't leave the audience just just keep stick it <laughs> no, stick there's with no it. time
0: yeah. where you can go to the bathroom in yeah. this movie so. you also probably
2: won't want to but just encouraging you go to the bathroom first um yeah but yeah speaking of me. um
1: how long did it take <laughs> you to realize because i for some reason i did not, i did not know that jamie lee curtis was in this film so for like the first 10 minutes of that character i was like is that no, that's someone that looks like Jamie Lee Curtis, but isn't. But it turns out to be totally Jamie Lee Curtis as the IRS agent, um, Deirdre.
2: Yeah, they really frumped her up because they gave her a, diff- a wig. Um, they gave her glasses, but also just her outfit was amazing. Um w- when we talk about how, like, Evelyn had, like, the little uh, middle-aged, older woman vest on, so did Deirdre. But hers was a different kind. And actually, I think it was Jess who was just like, oh, my God, Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's when I was like, oh,
0: fuck. <laughs> because yeah, it took me a while yeah. to realize. Um, I knew she was in the movie, though, because I'd seen her in all these press photos. Oh,
2: I didn't and know
0: <laughs>
2: at all. It was
0: great. And, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is... I've not seen her have this much fun in a long-ass time. She's a great actor. She's a great comedic actor. She is. And I mean, I loved her. And if you've seen her in uh, Freaky Friday, you know. (laughs) She's very good at that. Very good physical actor.
2: Yeah, I saw her in something recently where I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And it was like her and Sigourney Weaver and some other people. But I was just like, she's always good. That's the thing. She's a great, like you were saying, comedic actor. She's a great physical actress and that's great
1: action i mean the last halloween movie was pretty like she did some pretty cool stuff in that
2: and that's actually what was the hard part about this movie was um i don't know if you knew but they actually wanted to initially get jackie chan and, um, and Michelle Yeoh, because they were just like, we just know we n- want martial arts. And so they're like, we need someone who can speak all these languages and do the martial arts. And of course, they didn't get Jackie Chan because he's not doing stuff. Um, so they got Michelle Yeoh and they're like, why don't we switch it and have her be the lead? And so they needed someone who not only could do the emotional stuff, but also do the action and the comedy. And so Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh together. Great. Uh, I I feel like they must have had the best amount of fun.
0: <laughs> they look like they had a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, everyone in this movie looked like they had a lot of fun. Yeah. I think you can also tell. I think the good vibes come through as well. Uh, you know, yeah, it's you have those yeah. guys running the show.
1: You can and tell. And like, speaking of looks, just because the fact that there are <laughs> multiple universes in this film, it's about the multiverse, but let's talk about the amount of looks that Stephanie Sue was serving as like I the could... different versions of like what was her name? Jobu Tupaki. Jobu
0: yeah. Tupaki, <laughs> yeah.
1: The ultimate evil of the universe.
2: I, I couldn't even keep track. I think I saw some headline where they said it was like forty hairstyles or something like oh that. My God. And that's just the hairstyles. And the hairstyles are vastly different. Um, but the outfits too, and the, like, it's not just one sort of Asian outfit. It is so many Asian inspired outfits, and you know, and um. I also have to say the way I don't know if someone's talking about the smash cuts here but or whatever but it's basically like how they transition from one to another.
1: Yeah, I mean this film Oof. not only is it an o to a love letter to Hong Kong cinema but it's also an o to the smash cut because I've never seen someone like because the film is just it's 90% smash cuts and it's done so effectively and I mean I can't imagine how long this film took to edit
2: yeah i i mean i think the concept maybe and again this is spoilers but like the idea is of course with when we talk about any multiverses is like they're all existing at the same time right um but we are actually able in this movie to appreciate how simultaneous these are by smash cutting um all the way through, like throughout the movie in, in in very small increments of time. So it's, it's, so you really can feel that um, certain characters are existing in all these planes, I guess, yeah. at the same time. So, but they are able to visualize it in a way that I've never seen in a movie before because when we talk about multiverses, like, um, Doctor Strange or, or Marvel you know, all the Marvel Universe stuff, um, it's usually like you did one um, one decision and so n- this person no longer exists. You know, it's kind of like really heavy-handed like that and which, you know, has been traditional for alternate timelines all the time. Like, oh, what if the Civil War, you know, the South won? Um, but this one uh, thinks of more of like the butterfly effect. What if that butterfly didn't die? And so tiny increments of things have changed. And I really enjoyed how they decided to dis- you know, which one would be which, because some of them, it's like the, the Michelle Yo Evelyn character is like a martial artist. One of them, she's like a great, a Benihana type chef. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, and that was just kind of like, cool, because I could see every aspect of Michelle Yo being great at something,
0: you know, <laughs> and totally I see that. Um, yeah, and, but the core yes. of why this Evelyn in this specific universe yes. is the right one is because she's such a fucking failure. It at it is everything. the darkest
1: timeline, is I, where I, we exist. Yeah.
0: I laugh so much at that when
2: they're like, she's like, but why me? He's like, uh, and so we get to uh, Wayman explaining the uh, Wayman from another universe actually explaining. Well, you know. Uh, Basically, we found out that you're so bad at everything that this is the only like this is the only thing yeah. that you can not do.
1: Basically, at every point in time, you made the wrong decision, which <laughs> yeah, brought you to this point. Which, going back to the themes, and I think um, Daniel Kwan obviously is child of immigrants, mm-hmm. I assume, mm-hmm. and like this is a very um, I guess child of immigrants. We've all thought about this at one point, which is like, would our parents have been better off if we weren't here? Oh, they would,
0: 100%. <laughs> right?
1: Because they would have stayed in their country and like been happier. <laughs> that ultimately is part of the message of this film, which is like, our parents didn't move here because of us.
2: No, like, no, no. We weren't
1: even in their minds when they moved here, probably. And then, again, maybe not the case for all parents, but I think most people, most of our parents, um, when they immigrated to you know the U.S. or to another country, it's because they wanted to do something. They wanted to do it. And we happen to up here afterwards, right? So I think. Well, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
2: existed. But yeah, you're right that immigration is not purely a because my family needs this. Like they needed a better life too. Hello. Um, and so they have their own hopes and dreams and yes, disappointments and failures. So. Uh, and then
0: also, yeah. just I actually really actually like the fact that the immigrant experience told through Michelle Yo, Evelyn's eyes is also like. You know, we don't really get a lot of movies that center an older Mm -hmm. woman's perspective. So, you know, it's not even just her as a mother. It's her as a wife and who she chose to, like, marry and build a life with, right? And her relationship as a daughter. Like, she really is being the center. And it's all her relationships to the people around her. And so we do get this dimensionality of, like, you know, she's her own person. Mm -hmm. She had her own dreams. She's also a wife. She's also a mother. She's also a daughter. And that's actually just very rare.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she's also likes karaoke. It's just like little things where it's just like I see her as a full person. Yeah. She
0: wants to be a singer, right? Mm -hmm. She um, tried to to be a water massage therapist. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And (sighs) I guess going back to serving up looks, the climax of kind of the emotional journey is her realizing that like, because violence is not the answer, to put it simply, but that epiphany comes from, um, One Car Y World, which is an alternate universe in the style of a One Car Y film, where they had like the audacity to put Ki Hui Hwang in a um, Tony Leung style mm-hmm. role with like a good suit, good, good suit, hair. and a good haircut. Um, good glasses, what did you guys think when you saw good vibes, Daddy? I was Qi very. Hui?
0: I was very offended because, you know, you gave me someone that kind of vibe, like my dad, a very, very jovial kind of goofy dude in a polo. And my dad doesn't rock a fanny yet, but he does rock a big backpack. And then you, like, put him in the suit and then, like, Baba becomes like Daddy. And it's just like, no, I was, I was not ready for that. Please.
2: I definitely had a vocal reaction when I saw him because, like, that universe is where... Evelyn is a movie star. So she's also dressed to the nine. She's at a premiere for a movie and she walks up the stairs and he turns around and you get that moment. You're like, (gasps) it's (laughs) it's just like a visceral reaction. It was gorgeous. And also when we were talking about, yes, this emotional journey is, you know, at some point uh, in that universe, she had turned him down for the for marriage. So this is a reunion between them of sorts. And she's she also has a reaction like, oh, you're hot. um, And uh, so they, they have kind of a talk afterwards. And that's where we get the moment. I don't know if anyone wants to talk about that
1: moment. I mean, the moment is she explains to him that like, I saw a vision of my life with you in America and it sucked.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> we had a laundromat together and all this other stuff. And his uh, response is basically like,
0: oh in a in another life i would have loved to have done laundry and taxes with you <laughs> yes. oh it my was... god <sighs> daniels daniels <laughs> i am um i how, wh- how what why are you doing this to me like i that is that is maybe i'm just old now but like that is literally the most fucking romantic thing I have ever heard and at that point I am ugly crying Marvin like I am (laughs) Mm -hmm. sobbing my glasses are off Mm -hmm. I have to like put my head up to prevent the tears from falling I'm like pushing the palms of my hands into my eyes because I don't know what I've touched with my fingers and it's COVID so I'm like trying to like suppress the tears in my eyes I'm sure the dude sitting next to me is like what the Mm -hmm. fuck is wrong with this woman I'm just like (laughs) <laughs> not okay and like like i basically don't stop crying until the end of the movie
2: yeah i gotta say having worn a mask and then snotting myself out and not being able to breathe and i was just like what do i do because i can't wipe my nose it was just such a conundrum but that i i agree like everyone take note like that is a romantic line <laughs>
0: girls don't girls don't want um what's it girls don't want I don't. I don't know what well, we don't
2: want overblown hearts and flowers that like are ridiculous we want an actual from the heart thing that tells about the sacrifice or or like things that matter and I think that was where the heart of it came from when he's yeah. able to say that it's like yeah I'm this hot glamorous looking you know Wong Kar Wai you know uh hero but laundry and taxes I will do yeah. it because that is love <laughs>
0: yeah and I think it's it's... <laughs> steal that line. Steal that line, Marvin. You gotta... I mean... It's you have just to like, be in a multiverse for it, though. <laughs> I, I think the whole movie is just acknowledging... It strikes such a great balance of acknowledging, like, life can be very shitty sometimes. and can be very hard. That is something I felt acutely in this last year. Um, it's been rough. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, but isn't it nice to have someone... To go through the shit together. Yeah,
2: I think one of the things is if we're talking about Evelyn's superpower here is that she failed at everything, right? His superpower, which they kind of talked about, is he just approaches everything with love and niceness. Um, Wayman does, and so, and that's one thing that she's like, "What?" But then she's like, "Well, let's try it." And oh, mink! Oh my god, it works! And so, I think it's something that I kind of miss back from the days of. uh David Tennant being Doctor Who is kind of that grand uh, sort of storytelling where everything in the universe, like literally is sucking right now. But if you just bring it back to the emotion of it and love, and almost all the plot lines came down to love in Doctor Who one season <laughs> where I was like, yes, make me bawl and make me cry. And th- this kind of like echoed that a little bit for me, which is like, you are talking exactly my language where you're feeling everything in the world every, you know literally everything you know all at once and at the same time it's as simple as this all you need to do is feel this and they they got it perfectly so uh, yeah
0: props to the Daniels like therapists man those are some healthy emotionally t- in tune men there <laughs> yeah props. don't know how you got there
1: yeah cuz like another running theme of the film is just the fact that like in the grand scheme of everything everywhere all at once, your life is pretty minuscule, right? It's really easy to just like think that nothing matters. And that's kind of where we find um the you know, ultimate version of joy, the Jogu Tupaki who <laughs> who just thinks everything is meaningless and wants to like end it all, but as we find out, like afraid to do so by yourself, right?
2: Yeah. So this was an interesting thing. I you know, I actually did interview them and we talked a little bit about that sort of nihilism. Um, but also in general, like how you're saying, you know, you can get overwhelmed because there are so many super important things going on, uh, like how we are experiencing, you know, a pandemic and then brink of nuclear war and all these other things that, you know, we escaped to this podcast for. Um, and so something I said to them at first was just like, um, I this is the first time I've really, really, really seen myself in a film. And I said, and it's not because I'm an Asian woman, because I think that's what they are expecting. Because I was like, so many of my friends have told me I need to get diagnosed uh, for ADHD. And because this is how I actually feel like I experience life a lot, um, where everything has equal weight. And I feel like, you know, like when I was a kid, I was I was just like bawling my eyes out about death. And my parents were like, you're five. You know, and so there's things like that where I was just like, but you don't understand, I might as well be dead because it's going to happen, you know, and so I didn't know how to explain it to them. So anyway, when I was kind of talking about this, apparently Daniel Kwan uh, recently got diagnosed for ADHD. And so we kind of vibed with that because he was saying that like, like there's so many things and he's like, this literally is how I feel sometimes like this movie is a, a representation of how everything feels about the same and they started this writing this during 2016 after the election so that was speaking to the nihilism and the great big you know weight of the world that's on everybody's shoulders and the worry that they have and not being able to do everything so in in some ways like yes this is speaking to like the global experience that everyone ha- is having but also um to s- very specifically <laughs> you know people who have ADHD or other ways of uh of interpreting and experiencing the world. So, I, I just, that's one of the reasons why I found it fascinating because I just I like, I don't know if this is even true when I mentioned it. And he's, he's like, yeah. And he's like, and also, Asian women are probably the one, the least ones to get diagnosed, <laughs> um, <laughs> even more than Asian men. And I was like, oh, and because like women also experience ADHD differently from men. Uh, so, I was like, okay. So, Anyway, just just a tip for any of those people out there who might have it, that if you watch this, it might make you feel like you can point to this movie and say, this is kind of how I'm experiencing the world. Um, and uh, I don't know. That gave it an extra level of poignance to me, but I don't think you need it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm astounded at this movie.
1: Yeah. Um, any thoughts about the storyline of Joy, the daughter, who I mean, who would have been the main character of, like, any other Asian-American film, right? Coming of age film?
2: It's very hard because when you have such stellar actors who play those parents and those roles are amazing, for Stephanie, the actress, to play Joy, who has an amazing role. like Don't get me wrong. But it's almost like pales in comparison, even though she's like super colorful and stuff like that. So I think it was interesting to me how they actually made her be like the ultimate in some ways villain and where it came down to was nihilism <laughs> so i mean I in the eyes that. of
1: an asian parent your your kids are the villains right <laughs> you you don't understand them <laughs> they talk about weird things they dress um,
2: weird. she didn't try They're she gay. gained weight <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i just, really did
1: feel yeah. for her i mean and mm-hmm. definitely she was part of the character i You know, I can relate to Michelle Yolo as someone who represents my parents. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Joy, those scenes where she's trying to get her mother to acknowledge her girlfriend to her grandfather um, and just not being able to say the things that you want to say is those are real feelings, too, for like children of immigrants. Yeah.
0: And, you know, they don't they don't beat you over the head with a lot of it, which I think some less well executed movies, Mm -hmm. right? They harp on a lot of things. But you get the same sense of like, you know, she has to... Translate for her parents sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like she has to, you know she she drops out. She dropped out of college. You get that sense? So she's like a disappointment. She is also, she. It's so weird. You could tell that she. And I don't know if like other people will pick up on this. It's just or like non-immigrant, non-children <laughs> of immigrants will pick up on this. Like she is just that, like example, the pinnacle of like I. Want to be a part of this family, but nothing hurts me more right now than being a part of this family. (laughs) And yeah, and like that's the emotional climax, right? When all the things are stripped down and they're just in the laundromat, and she's like, Look, I don't think I should come around anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's too hard, and it's so painful for both of them. Yeah. I, because she wants to connect, and it's just so hard.
2: Yeah, I think that. That moment outside when she actually is like, I'm sorry, I'm happy you're having an epiphany, mom, but uh, this is not helping me. And so I, I really connected with the moment where she's where basically she, the mom is almost saying like, no, 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 I accept your girlfriend, but your grandfather won't. And there's like always these excuses. Like with my my family, it was like, oh, your, your sister-in-law, who my sister-in-law is black. And so it's like, I, you know, like, I'm not racist, but I'm worried about what other people think. Or, you know, your sister-in-law's great, but I'm worried about her friends. I'm like, what do you mean about her friends? What do you think about her friends? You know, it's kind of, so there's always these excuses and these extra, like, low layers of them, of, of like, getting in the way of full acceptance. Um, so, yeah, I felt, again, I felt like the dialogue was just really spot on there. Yeah. Uh, made you oh. feel. It made you feel. <laughs> I
1: mean... I feel like we're coming up at the end of our discussion and we haven't even touched on, I mean, no. in the larger scheme of things, the themes are what's important, but there but. are so many great <laughs> just sight gags. The action, we have not talk about the action. The action is amazing in this film.
0: So funny. Um, real, just, real, martial so real martial arts. Real martial arts. Just so many different styles.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: and And... You know, um, just even so many tones, right? Like, we're getting horror aspects. I I loved all the, like, horror elements (laughs) where where Jamie Lee Curtis Mm -hmm. is the evil monster (laughs) killer. She scared me. Wrestling
1: person. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, wrestling. um,
1: Yeah. And, I mean, the effects, too, are just very, like, Mm -hmm. a lesser film would have relied on a lot of CG. But a lot of this film, it reminded me of, like, the way that um, Michel Gondry did... um,
2: Mm eternal sunshine of the eternal spotlight. sunshine
1: yeah about how he used uses angles and uses like kind of more practical, practical effects, effects to yeah. create like yeah. a a kind of a dreamscape and the film is just so well executed um there's so much how do
0: you be? how do you be butt plug fight <laughs> <laughs> like two on one butt plug fight yes, i this is kind where the of wish and
1: i get that you know you have to like ratings are a thing but i wish they didn't censor the butt plug fight I
0: funnier than it's censored,
2: I think yeah actually. I think they did that on purpose uh yeah I don't think they censored it to censor it really <laughs> yeah. because there are definitely ways like yeah that they could have done it which and it'd been fine I I I just love the fact that you first see the butt plugs and you're like they're trophies on the on the uh, IRS lady's desk and you're like no and then when it comes back you're like oh, are you kidding me and I, it's like they just went there <laughs>
1: And I love that, like, again, a lesser film would have played it up for laughs. But like when they go for the butt plug, it's a it's a scene of tension. You're like, oh, no, they're going well, for the butt plug. Are,
2: the the amount of tension they're able to build. Can we talk about the four paper cuts?
0: Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I have never felt more grossed out in a movie.
3: It, I, it was, I was cringing for sure. It was yeah. so
2: Good. I also asked the Daniels about that. And so you're gonna have to read my story to read it, find out <laughs> what they say. But it is so good that how many visceral reactions we have throughout the film. It's I I am I think it's why when we say we laughed, we cried, we cringed, all of it is true.
0: I mean, and also please note, we still have not even divulged into the universe where we have hot dogs for our hands. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah.
1: Like I said, there are tons of just one-off gags. And I, just can't, I can't believe how much they squeezed into this movie. Mm-hmm. Like It's like films within the film, within the film. Yeah, because that's like just, a
0: 2001 reference.
2: It's
1: just yeah, so many. Well, literally, right? And the film like, ends
0: midway mm-hmm. in the film. Mm-hmm. And then we... Um, it's literally,
1: yeah. literally so yeah, funny. <sighs> um, right. By so, the
2: way, A24 is now selling Hot Dog Fingers for you.
0: I was just about to tell you, and I was yeah. going to
2: order a <laughs> I kind of want the A24 shirt with the googly eyes.
0: Oh, that's cute. That's right. Sounds cute. We're not being sponsored by A24, by the way. Like they <laughs> maybe should, but
2: I mean, we've talked about it before. A24, a friend of
0: Asians.
1: Friend yeah, it, we for got sure. it. That's fair. That's what the A stands yeah, for. Asian twenty four.
0: The A stands for Asian. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> all right. So, final verdict is everything ever all at once good pop.
0: Yes, on so many levels. I think it's just great for movies in general. This is I read hundreds if not thousands of scripts per year. This is one of the most creative things I've ever seen. It shows that you can still do crazy shit with original ideas or different communities and like and and be like kind of amazing it's good from a like Asian standpoint. Like this is like, you know, like we all been there where like the movie's like not that great or it's not to your taste, but like, you can't say that shit live mm-hmm. or in publicly. You got to support. We're like, no, this is amazing. And like it's brought, I really hope it is going to give a second, third, fourth win to every member of this cast mm-hmm. that deserves it. I mean, James Hong is fucking 95 and he just needs to be in more things. <laughs> He will work until he's dead. I swear to God. So put in more things. Yes. Fantastic. This is the most he's been able to do like in a long ass time. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's just great. Yes. Good on all things.
2: Good pop. Great pop. Fantastic pop. I have to say I didn't even know whether or not to have rep sweats for this. I just wanted it to be fun and and have Michelle Yeoh continue to, you know, work. But this blew all expectations out of the water. And Honestly, has changed how the rest of the films this year is, you know, are gonna feel. So I honestly, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, fantastic,
1: definitely. I did not have rep sweats because I knew it was going to be good. Uh, because just look at who is making it. Look at who's in it. Um, I will say, I feel like this film has preemptively ruined Doctor Strange for me because there's good. no they way should. that Marvel can like keep up with this type of creativity right like i think like just said yeah like this sh- just shows the power in and the potential in just original ideas because like you know mcu movies they're well made but they have there's so many restrictions i feel like they have to like follow continuity they have to like follow certain rules they have to like cater to existing fans and like this is what happens when you just like Make a film with no restrictions whatsoever.
2: I also have to say, yeah, and I I agree that A24 is part of that because, you know, Swiss Army Man was A24. So they kind of basically let them do whatever they want. This has made me finally appreciate when two men are working together on a project because most of the time, like I, okay, I get it. The Russos help produce this. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and they do a lot of Marvel, but I really don't understand the point of them. You know, and and it's kind of the same when it comes to the Stranger Things, you know, twins, and like all these people who like are a couple of dudes making a movie. This one, I get it, and I think that they work off of each other very well. Um, I I am a believer in the Daniels, um, if no other pairing of, of <laughs> director dudes, definitely not the Game of Thrones guys. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I just, they, they proved everyone wrong. Doctor Strange is going to suck, but I didn't have high hopes for it anyway, so it's fine. I Well, just I don't know if it's it. going
1: to suck. I'm just saying there's like...
2: Okay, it will just not be, I will think of it I'm as gonna a thing. I'm going to watch
1: Doctor Strange wishing it was more like everything ever all at once. And well, there's, here's just, a, there's just no, I, I, I just have to resign myself to having to feel that way, right?
2: Supposedly, I think that they were offered Loki, by the way. And they said no. Yeah. Yeah. Good
0: good choice. Good, good, good choice, Daniel. You
2: do what you need to do. <laughs> good call. Well, I actually need to watch Doctor Strange one before I get to multiverse of madness. So I it's will fine. I will cleanse my palate of greatness with just Doctor Strange and just get that. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it'll fine. It's fine. Yeah.
1: It's it's just fine. <laughs> I, right. I
2: had low expectations anyway, so
1: all right well that'll do it for our discussion of everything ever all at once and man we only really touched the surface of this film and you know hopefully you all loved it as much as we did um jess han if people want to find out more of your thoughts where can they go
0: my trash takes are on twitter at just Jude tweets
1: and i am at anonymous You can find me at Marvin Yu. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Um, We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American hosts of the podcast. Check out our fellow podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, I want to go watch it again. Happy I feel like I need to go watch it again.
2: Yes. No, I think I am going to have to. And I've found some friends who haven't seen it who want to see it. Yeah. So I think that will work out very well.
1: My dad's coming back from Taiwan this week. When he's ready to go out, I'm going to take him to watch this film because
2: I wish I lived definitely. in the same city with my mom because I'd watch it with her. Um, <laughs> She went to Jamaica apparently. Um, wow,
0: living it up, right? Mom.
2: And but I also mm-hmm. know like my brothers are still like at home, so I'm just like they wouldn't watch it with me. Uh, <laughs> so she would totally be down. <laughs> All
1: right, uh, we'll see y'all next week on the Good Pop Culture Club. Oh, happy 100th episode! Happy 100! <laughs> Bye. We'll see you, Bye. Share
3: Hey, Roman. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st
1: century. Yeah. And second question: Where's my jetpack?
3: Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you? Modern Minorities is a show where each week my longtime pal Ramin and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears.
1: Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers,
3: folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between.
1: Past guests have included comedian Margaret
3: Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So
1: check out Modern
3: Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority.